0: Folks, welcome back to the iHealth Channel, iHealth Radio, with your host, Hurricane Age. New day, new show, awesome topic. Um, I've had a lot of authors, but not not like this one today that I have with me on the show. Um, it, it, is, it, is, it is an honor and um, a privilege, and um, we're going to be talking about uh, a career path, and specifically, we're going to discuss the last book and, and plenty of other things here on today's show. Uh and, and and you know really i'm, I'm looking at, at the credentials of my guest today and uh pretty cool stuff to be a new york uh, times best-selling ghostwriter or you know author right uh, you know it's it's just something that that is fun that i i wanted to share and we're going to talk you know further and deep dive with that with our guest tim uh so so um welcome tim to the show how are you today
1: i am good man thanks how are you
0: I, I can't, I can't complain. I'm excited. We're here. We're going to, you know, have a good time. I mean, I was looking at your stuff and your work. Uh, your last book is obviously something that you did on your own. This is yours. And I think you have a co-author and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But 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 your journey as, as just a journalist and writer and, 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 and working for other folks and doing writing books. Let's talk about that because, you know, I still want to, you know, deliver that message to our people. What does that entail?
1: Well, it entails um, a lot of not wanting to work for other people. Really, I mean, I've been—I went—I went went freelance um, in 1995, so it's been 28 years since I worked, since I drew a salary from somebody else. And uh, you know, I was at the time I was um, working for an ad agency in Southern California, where I'm originally from. I live in Kansas City now. And I, I just said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I, I poached some clients who liked me and hated my agency. I quit my job. I moved down to Laguna Beach, California with my, with my best friend, Anton. Um, we rented the lower half of a duplex but, uh, beneath an Irish couple who were drunk pretty much 24-7. Um, we grew our own weed and I started writing for myself. And it was pretty good times it was pretty awesome. And I had no girlfriend I was just single me and my best friend and just hanging out at the beach and working for myself. It was, it was, it was a good period in my life. And, you know, 28 years later, I'm still doing that. And uh, I don't, you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I would never go back to working for, for somebody else under any circumstances. It's been awesome.
0: Oh well, so so you give me a lot of stuff there, and I wanna I wanna start first of all. I have been to Laguna Beach. I love Laguna Beach. It's one of the you know probably cleanest cities that I've been to, and nicest, quietest. We're actually huh?
1: headed there. My wife and my now two daughters are actually headed there next week for our twenty-first wedding anniversary because we met uh, there. My wife. Oh, and I nice. There, so we go back there every summer.
0: You know, like make me feel like I want to just put a picture and video of, of Laguna right now. <laughs> it's a great town,
1: man. it's yeah, awesome-
0: yeah, You know what? 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 You know, when I was there, I was at the beach, and they had those signs, "No drones." Yeah, uh, and that was like first time I seen actually something like that. You know, and, and on yeah. all, all the beaches, and 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 I'm gonna give you a, a true joke. This is this is something funny. So I was with my partner, and we were there for a meeting, and um, he happens to um, smoke cigars. And so, so we didn't know that in Laguna Beach, there is no smoking anywhere in public. <laughs> uh, so, so here's just, and and I thing. He, he was looking at the sign with the drone, but there's also a sign not smoking. And so, and he didn't pay attention. So here's, and this, this lady came in and started screaming at us, like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, uh... Not sure what, what? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> so she points out the size so started laughing, and another guy said, "Dude, there is no smoking in Laguna Beach, period. I mean, you can smoke pot, but you can't smoke cigarettes." <laughs> <laughs> right. like, okay. uh, so, so that that was our highlight, but it was it was fun. I mean, we had a great time there. Because we well, and- I'm sorry you had that.
1: I'm sorry you had that. It's it's a great time. I lived there for almost ten years and met my wife there. Like I said, and, and uh, we're gonna go. We go back every year for the, oh, uh, the pageant masters, and it's just great. I-
0: it, it was great. I mean, they had the murals at the beach. Uh, you know, it's beautiful yeah. stuff. I mean, it's gorgeous, yeah. beautiful. Anyway, so that was that. Uh, but but I want to go back to to the story behind you leaving your agency mm-hmm. and working for yourself, freelancing, and 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 that's an important you know piece of. Uh, I guess we can talk about it for a few minutes because a lot of people are stuck yeah. doing something they do not like. And I think when we talked about the book, there's probably somewhere there we can have that continuation of that discussion. Okay. But 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 really, you know, the concept of you not doing it, you know, at, at the agency, not feeling it and and deciding like, you know, this is not working out. I want to do my own. And again, 28, 28 years later, you are freelancing, doing your own thing. And and you said it best. You can you will not go back no matter what, because you've enjoyed it. It gave you everything, the freedom, the uh, I guess, the peace of mind, no stress. I mean, there's a stress at any level, but different you don't have to i guess entertain the ideologies of other people when you can have yours and and work really independently and have a good time with it and and that that's actually a, a higher being if i want if to call it that way because you you can enjoy life differently and a lot of people are caught in that i mean we're talking about psyche stuff we talk about psychology in general people are stress anxiety all these things depression a lot of that to do with the way the choices we make sometimes and work and i know this is something that we're going to talk about within the book And, and so that's a big, you know, piece of, of, of a discussion in terms of a lot of people out there today, you know, they want to quit, they want to start their own, you know, and and it's hard, not easy. Uh, How was that for you? I mean, I I heard what you said, you know, you got a couple of clients and then you worked from there and you moved, you know, uh, to better places and and just, you know, grew into you, who you are today as a writer. Uh, But, but that decision had to come in as an important piece of your life. You didn't look back. And you moved on, and that's it, period. and Enough. A lot of people can say, "Well, you might be uh, not in the right mind, at least at the time." If they see the success today, they'd be like, "Oh, this stuff works." <laughs> but in in this case, at the time, was there anyone that questioned that decision for you?
1: No, not there wasn't any. No, there was absolutely nobody who who thought it was a bad idea. Um, least of all me. I mean, I had thought about I had thought about doing it for a good year and um one of the th- you know everything kind of aligned to, for, to make it possible i had money saved i had a roommate ready you know i had clients who were willing to come with me so i had an income right from the, from the jump but one of the things i learned from you know from not only my experience but the experience of other freelancers other people who left jobs to go freelance is there's no perfect time to do it everybody you, know, you see people tied up in knots going well i'm gonna wait till i have." this much money saved or I'm going to wait till after quarter, fourth quarter comes or, um, and there's never going to be a comfortable time, a right time, quote unquote, to make that kind of a jump because, you know, even now, this this was 1995, right? There was no, the internet was AOL and CompuServe, right? There was, there was no gig economy. You know, now it's a little different. People are more, um, much more familiar with the idea of, of contract work, of, of side hustles, of uh, gig economy—it's a much more familiar thing now. Back then, it didn't exist. It was just like you hustle and you make it happen, or you go—you know, there was no Uber. You couldn't do Uber and DoorDash to make you no know, to make rent. Um, so it was a matter of saying, "Okay, I'm just going—I'm going to take the jump, take the leap, and do it." Um, it really wasn't that hard for me because I had planned it all out in advance. So I really never had any doubts about it. Um, and I wasn't writing books then I was doing, I was doing what I had done in my agency. I was doing marketing. I was writing ads, billboards and, you know, radio spots and brochures and that kind of stuff. And, um, but you know, it, it, I think it's, it's really, you have to commit to it. I think it's too, it's almost too easy now with technology, with gig economy, with side hustles that are everywhere to sort of dip your toe in it. And say, well, if this doesn't work, I'll go back to the job. And if it's gonna work, you have to give it everything. You have you have to, you know, the old uh, the old thing about you know Cortez burning his ships, right? He burned his ships so his you know his, his crew was mo- was motivated because they couldn't go back to Spain. They had to make it work in the Americas. And it's the same kind of thing. You have to be willing to burn the ships and say, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna build this, I'm gonna get through the the, the low times, the times when it looks like I can't, I can't afford anything other than macaroni and cheese and you know and, and keep going and i never really had that time i mean i've you know for for one reason or another i made more the first year i was freelancing than i did my best year at my previous job and i've gone way way beyond that now writing books so it was unquestionably the right one of one of the three best moves i ever made in my life
0: well, thank you, Tim, for sharing that. And 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 you were right. I mean, in nineties, you're talking you're like the originals. I mean, that's to your point, that was like where it wasn't an idea, it was just an idea. Very few freelancers. And in marketing, there was there was some trends in there, but it was not to your point where yeah. it is today.
1: Yeah, there um, always were there always were back then. But yeah, I mean I wouldn't call us the OGs, but you know, it was it was a lot harder back then. I didn't have a website or anything like that. It was very it was very old school relative to today.
0: Again, if you do it the hard way, everything else becomes easy eventually. So, <laughs> a lot simpler now with tech, right? Yeah. Um. So, so now that was ads and everything, which is you know pretty common. And then you went into writing. So, yeah. what prompted you into that? I mean, is was that a passion of yours?
1: You mean writing books? Writing books. Yeah. Well, I've always been I've always been writing. So I wrote everything. I was a journalist and wrote. It. But books came about by accident, as a lot of things do. Um. So in 1999. I got a call from a client of mine i had done a bunch of marketing work for. And he said, hey, Tim, could you write me a book? Uh, he was—he had a branding agency um, at the time. He wanted me to write a book about his, his philosophy of personal branding. And I said, absolutely, Peter, I can write your book. And I hung up the phone and went, oh, crap, how do I write a book? Because, you know, that's what you do, right? Opportunity comes along. You say, absolutely, yes. And you hang up the phone. You have a panic attack. And then you figure it out because that's how you move forward. You, you just you, you find a way. And so I wrote that first book. Uh, it was terrible. I, I think it was terrible. I don't even I probably don't have a copy of it, but it had my name on the cover. I had a with with Tim Van de credit and he sent it to me when I was uh, traveling in Rome. And all the Italian girls thought it was really cool that I had a book with my name on the cover. So that was you know, there's some benefit to that.
0: There was a um, bonus, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: but that's you know, I did. I did three books for that guy for Peter Montoya and uh, the third one did really, really well. It was a bestseller in, in Japan or Korea, I forget, but a while. And um, that third book got a lot of attention because it did very well, it got great reviews and so on. And that got me an agent and it got me a couple of bigger projects and things kind of snowballed. And by 2000 and probably five, I think I was able to say, yeah, I'm going to dump the marketing thing. I don't need to do that anymore. I'm just going to ghostwrite books for people. Because I was getting, at that point, I was getting uh, offered two, three projects at a time. And I'll, and I'll, even now today, I'll, I'll write four or five books in a year, honestly. So at various stages. So yeah, I've, I've never, I've never not been busy ever since then. I've written more than 65 books now up to date.
0: So. Wow. I mean, listen, it's a long run, but but quite an achievement. I mean, that's a lot of books. I mean, it's pretty intense. And, and, and you know, I love the story that, you know, the first book is always going to be the first book. I mean, it might not yeah. be the best, but it is the best at the time when you wrote it, you know, I mean, yeah. ultimately. And then we learn from that, like everything else. But I love what you said. You know, I got a client. They want it. I can do this. I'll figure this out you know that's your mind and then you, you 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 make it work and and that's really something also to teach you know audiences all over the world is that sometimes you gotta leap you know you gotta do it you know and you get you have a way you got to find a way you're gonna do this but but people hesitate oh you know what i don't think i can do this and then they lose the opportunity and that's the opportunity that may have opened a huge door in your case that that was it i mean that was the new world for you And, but many people sometimes don't see that window of opportunity or they just, you know, think that's going to be too much wind from there and they're just lying down and it's over. And then they just collapse on on themselves. And so it's an important folks, you know, if you're watching and listening, you know, this is real life scenario of someone who's, who's got a humongous success doing what he's doing, but had he not taken that particular point of life, you know, uh, event and opportunity, things could have been different. We don't know. He didn't. He actually made it happen. And that's what matters. So that means we can all do that. And again, that's just something that I wanted to throw in there for people because it's important to send these messages every now and then to reinforce that.
1: I think that's absolutely valid. I mean, you know, one of, one of the things that I've seen, I've worked with a lot of creative, a lot of creative professionals over the years, other writers, artists, musicians, photographers, um, all, all different kinds of uh, composers. And one of the things that one of the, common things I've seen with a lot of those people is they are they might be super talented creatively, but they are not aggressive about the business side of their careers. They don't go after opportunities. They don't aggressively self-promote. I, I think maybe they think it's unseemly or it shouldn't be necessary or, oh, real artists don't promote themselves. Well, I'm sorry, but that's go. You know, I mean, the greats wrote the, the greats wrote for a penny a word. You know, Dickens wrote for magazines. O. Henry wrote for a penny you know a penny a word. Um, you know, that's that's always been the case. That that great artists had to promote themselves in order to be able to make a living doing what they do. And I've just kind of got a natural a natural knack for it, I guess, and probably my marketing background. Um, but I that's that's one of the. that I'm, I'm starting to build a coaching practice for ghostwriters now. that's something I'm going to probably launch in 2024, coaching other ghostwriters on the career side of things. And that's one of the things I tell them is you have to be your own, your own best advocate. And well, that's true of any profession, really, especially if you're an independent contractor in anything. Sales, doesn't matter, you're, you have your own dental practice, doesn't matter. If you're on your own, you have to be your own best advocate. You have to be aggressive, get out there and create opportunities. And that takes, honestly, a lot of belief in yourself, but also a lot of, um, you know, willingness to say, like when that when that client asked me to write the book, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I just said, you know what, if I screw it up, I'll apologize and fix it. That was that was my thought process, my entire thought process. So I'll, I'll figure it out. If I screw it up, I'll apologize, and then I'll fix it. Nothing more complicated than that. it was. Oh my God, do I have the ability? I didn't have the. I didn't let the self doubt creep in. Um, or anything like that. I just thought, you know what? I don't have to, I don't have to be perfect. And it wasn't. But it got done. And, that, and, if, and if I hadn't done that, as you said, I probably wouldn't be where I am now.
0: Again, I mean, you, you have to get into the trenches somehow and you have to believe in yourself. And I, I love what you said. You know, if it didn't work out, you can always rewrite it. Yeah. Uh, and And so, yeah, I mean, you get the feedback, you work it, you have time, you can make it happen. That's not an issue. Uh, and and by the way, I love what you said about that. You are going to the coaching business to teach others, you know, how to get into that stuff. And it's funny you said that about being your own advocate. This is a true story that happened to me. I, I'm always self-promoting, you know, uh, my brand, if you want to call it that way. And, and you're supposed to have a brand in general. Um, and uh, there, I was on LinkedIn and this guy just brought me on a, on, on a on a post overreach. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, so I kind of, neglected that that comment i didn't pay pay no mind but i've always wanted to actually bring that on the topic because guess what this was three years ago when i started uh well three and a half years ago when i started and guess what overreach does work is marketing 101 <laughs> <laughs> so as a message you overreach you know and if you don't like it i mean too bad you can just you know scroll down and up as i always tell people you don't have to take my content but but in order for me to get to people, you got to have to do this over and over. And yes, you're going to get rejections. You're going to get all those things, but you have to believe in yourself. And that's actually exactly what I'm getting from you is that you believed nothing else mattered and you had to do it and you pushed it. And I love what you said about the business part of things, because you're right. There's the creativity part. And a lot of people are geniuses, you know, and they do the best thing, but if they don't market themselves, you know, no one knows what that happens and they need to get into that side of the the element of the business and 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 promotion and things like that to get in front of people and you're right yeah it it could be difficult not everybody has that drive but with some help it can happen as well guidance Mm -hmm. coaching is a great thing and i I love what you're going to be doing because i think that's going to elevate that now i want to ask a question i mean I, i get it but for our audiences you keep stating the word ghostwriters now, just for our audiences, can we define that? Because some people are like, I mean, is this like a ghost story? Or <laughs> I'm just being funny about it.
1: <laughs> no, sure. A ghostwriter is someone who writes um, any material, not necessarily just a book, but any material that someone else takes credit for. So uh, there are ghostwriters in music. A lot of There are a lot of ghostwriters in the, the rap and hip-hop world who write, who write rap and hip-hop things. There are speech ghostwriters. Um that's not as commonly thought of as ghostwriting because most people know and would say Joe Biden doesn't write his own speeches. You know, okay. um, in my most of, you know in, in the in terms of what I do, it's ghostwriting books, and there's a lot of that. Um, you know, go into the bookstore, you look for books by people who aren't famous as authors, politicians, movie stars, athletes, etc. I would bet that at least maybe two thirds of those books were written by a ghostwriter. So that's someone who is probably not credited, might be credited. I've been credited sometimes. I get a with Tim Van de credit. Um credit. But more often than not, the ghost is not credited. Um, the big example is Spare, Prince Harry's book that came out earlier this year. Massive bestseller. So um, I always forget the name of the ghostwriter. It starts with an M. Uh, Moringer, I think, is his name. Um, He's the one who wrote Andre Agassi's ghostwriter Andre Agassiz's memoir a few years back. Great book. Um, so uh, Prince Harry's book Spare was an example of a massive bestseller that was ghostwritten. Um, so that's basically what it is. So you know, sometimes you can call it co-write, you know, co-authoring. If I get my name on the book, which I sometimes do, sometimes don't. Um, but basically, it's I come in, or any ghostwriter comes in learns about the author, does tons of interviews, background research, etc., puts together the book and writes the book. And more often than not, does not get credit for the book. So it's something you have to, that you you can't love to do if the credit is the only thing, which obviously I've been doing it for a long time. So I, it doesn't really bother me. Um, it's nice to get credit. There are books that I've done that I've I didn't get credit on because they didn't turn out the way I wanted them to. So just as
0: well. So it has both benefits. Like it works both ways, right? But but you're right. If 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 it's it's like everything else. If the title or whatever your your name is not as important in terms of being out there, in, in when you write the book, that may be not hurting. If it's important, that could be a challenge for someone that wants to actually have their own signature and book and, and, and name.
1: Well, what I tell people is, there's nothing stopping you from doing both. I mean, when I wrote my you know the book we're going to talk about later, Swipe, the one that we, I reached out to you about initially. You know, that's got my name on. But I've also written, you know, a bunch of other books. While that book was being written,
0: that no one knows about <laughs> my
1: Some do. There's a few that do. Uh, lately, I've been in a stretch where I have where I'm purely a ghostwriter. I'm invisible. Um, but that's okay. That's you know, I mean, that's it, the, the you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you hear uh, you go to the Academy Awards and you hear people give their their their. Uh, thank you speeches. They're they one in one in the statue. And they really talk about how important it is they're recognized by their peers. Mm-hmm. That's what most of us really care about. We we know that authors and agents and editors and publishers know that we do great work in the ghostwriting community. And if the average person reading the book doesn't know that, that's all right. I mean, I've had, I've had my name on New York Times bestsellers before that I wrote. Didn't change my life one bit. So, you know, it's it's not it's people go, Oh, cool, your name's on a New York Times bestseller. And that's pretty much the end of it. And then you go on they go on to the next thing. It's not like that changed, you know, that's that's changed my life in any way.
0: Oh, hold on, Tim. It it is a big achievement. And you know, I mean oh, it, uh, is. it is. It is it is but- it's something to recognize. That's why I start with that I think it's it's something that you wanna, you know literally just, you know, give as the, the, the do for it. I mean, you really get the credits no, no for it. No, no, no. it. It's your sweat and, 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 and brain in action, you know, it's being recognized. I mean, recognition is an important piece of life sometimes. I mean, you may not want a lot of it, but, but, but when you do a great work, you want at least to, to see a fruits of that work, you know, and some level of respect that comes with, with, with yeah, the, I that,
1: like I said, in the in you know, in the industry, people know the work that I do. Um, and I can talk about it in the industry. I just doesn't, it doesn't necessarily appear on the cover, but I can tell agents and publishers and editors that I've done this book and this book and this book. And, and uh, they know that they, they know that I'm legit when I say that, and I, that, you know, that's, doesn't matter what their name is in the book or not. They know that I've worked on that book because everybody knows everybody else in, the, in that community. So,
0: so Tim, I, I, this is probably a question. I don't know if someone asked you this question, but it, it's becoming a, a more common topic of AI. Mm-hmm. and replacing different industries how how does that work in this in the, in the case of ghostwriting i mean i i can write a lot of things i mean you can just give it a topic and it can go crazy right it wouldn't i i personally don't think it will uh replace the human creativity and 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 the personal touch in a way that's just my my personal thought at least today i mean i haven't seen a super advanced version of it where it's like, you know, so creative is not funny, but, but they, they tend to be good at what they do in terms of, of writing. You know, if you ask an article, I mean, you can get an article and it's pretty, now for, for a writer, you might think, nah, this is not as good. For someone who's not, I mean, they'll be content with that, you know, what uh, level of work that's being given by, by uh, let's say Chat GPT or otherwise. So, so in your world, does that, uh, Feel wrong? Does that, uh, you know, create some sort of a, I guess, uh, anguish uh, that it's going to be pretty much, you know, the end for for the writers? What does that look like in the world of of writers?
1: It it uh, it doesn't because um, you know I I I use I use AI for research and statistics all the time. I use it for gathering stats and I I use it for that quite frequently Mm -hmm. Um, because it you know that's that's what AI is great for is is automating repetitive repetitive tasks that I that take me hours otherwise and I can just say find this and it goes and finds it because a lot of, a lot of my work is based on I have to do a lot of research for what I do typically and um but no I I I got into I got into a little kind of a staring match at a restaurant in LA a while back I was out there working with one of my authors and uh, sat down with another author at a, at a at a restaurant talking through a project and two women sitting next to us were talking they kind of overheard our conversation. The four of us got talking and turned out the woman sitting directly to the right of me was in the AI world. And I told her, I didn't think AI could replace what I did. And she was just, she was very put out by that. She didn't want to hear that. And I said, well, I'm a writer. So, oh, AI I can write. And they're like, No, AI can't do what I do. And I, and I, and I could tell that she'd heard that before, but AI is, is great at approximating a, very um, digestible creative style AI doesn't do true style AI doesn't drew do, doesn't do voice it's generic so if I want humor or sarcasm or um, or pathos or uh, or colloquialism or anger, or sex appeal, or anything else like that, in a piece on a, a piece I'm writing, whether it's in a book or an article or anything else, AI is not going to be able to give me that. So AI doesn't AI does not have a personality
0: and what emotions.
1: They, right. Well, yeah, it doesn't have emotions, but it doesn't have personality. AI mm-hmm. doesn't have an attitude, and you mm-hmm. can say write this in the style of you know of of uh, you know Eddie Murphy back in his in his uh, Saturday Night Live days, and it might give you. You know in an any murphy attitude but it's going to be in an any murphy attitude not the attitude of the person that you're writing the book for in my case mm. so i think ai is you it's ai is like anything else it's a useful tool um it's going to create a lot of challenges for people outside my field especially in areas like video deep fakes and video and photography things like that it's more challenging for them because um most people, I mean, I think most people, even lay people, can recognize the difference between something written by a human being and something written by a machine. Doesn't mean what's written by the machine is bad. It means it's like the difference between lab-grown meat and meat that comes from a cow.
0: Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that recently. <laughs> they're, both,
1: they're both meat, and I've tasted the lab-grown meat, and I've, of course, tasted you know steak. Um, there's a difference, and you can tell the difference. Neither one is bad. They're just different, and not everyone's going to have a taste for the the sameness of the processed stuff. And that's also true, I think, for AI and Chat GPT or, or what have you. So there there's a you know there's the there's a human factor there in terms of personality and voice and style that I don't think AI can duplicate. Will it someday? I don't know. I mean, it might put me out of a job, but by the time it gets sophisticated and put me out of a job, I'll probably be retired.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, thank you, uh, Tim. It's I, I love your 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 view of it because I tend to agree personally to it because you're right. There is, I mean, your charisma, your person, your your feelings, all that reflects in your writing. Uh, you're, even if you're doing it for a particular topic or, or, or uh, you know, based on somebody else's, uh, story, right. You're still going to put a lot of that personal touch, which to your point, AI may not have that. I mean, it will give you generic stuff that it learns, you know, from everything else. But, but again, it may not be because this is going to be all new anyways. It's, it's a new concept that you put putting together. It hasn't learned it yet. So it might not be, maybe in the future it could duplicated, but it will not be original, not be the authentic, you know, version, which you would have. So I, I agree with your concept, but I needed to ask that question because, you know, it's becoming a topic of the hour. Everything is yeah. like AI, AI, AI. And I the, I use it. it too. And I love the, some of the functionality.
1: I, I hear it a lot. And I think, I think a lot of the hype, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the talk is hype. It's pure hype. It's people freaking out over something they don't understand. I've worked with people who are in the field. Uh, I've worked with people at MIT. I've written books for people at MIT and they all say the same thing. It's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be. It's going to change a lot of industries. It's not going to be Skynet. It's not going to be <laughs> Matrix. Don't worry about it. It's not now. Is it going to change some jobs? It might take away some jobs. Maybe, maybe. I I don't know um, how much of that's going to happen. I do think it's going to automate a lot of processes. That you know, I mean, I would love to be able to to um, say to an AI. Find me the best. Cause I do. I travel a lot, and I would love to be able to say, find me the best flight from uh, Kansas City to San Francisco at, for leaving at this time, this time, and have it book and book it, and have the just boom. It, it that does it for me. Find me the best. Find me a hotel room between this price and this price in this part of town. Bang done. That kind of stuff. If AI could do that just with the voice voice command, I would marry it, and I'm already married. <laughs> So your wife won't I, be
0: jealous. It will save her an
1: well, headache. <laughs> probably, I mean, she's you know, she's a, you know she, she she always leaves that stuff to me, so I I make trouble. Oh, okay, but that, you know, I, I so I AI I think is going to be useful for that. Is it going to change? It's going to change some jobs. I don't think it's going to put writers out of work. I think it will. I think it'll put bad writers out of work. How about that? It'll uh, put hacks out of work because they're the ones who are cranking out the crap articles, the you know the crap listicles that that are barely in they're barely in English that you see all over the internet those people have had to work in good riddance to them because they're bad writers um but really good writers now really you know strong writers in any field speech writing article writing press releases whatever marketing they uh, their ideas set them apart it's the creativity of the ideas not just the line to line writing and that's one thing AI doesn't do AI, AI does not brainstorm and say hey, what if we had an ad campaign built around 1984? You know, we have, then we have Apple. You know, ad, A- AI doesn't do that. AI, AI does not innovate and brainstorm. So you got to give
0: it commands, it commands and it just responds to the commands. Well, yeah, you,
1: you you teach it with, you teach it information and it it, it, it spits out, it accesses information and spits it out the context that you give it.
0: Perfect. All right, well, so enough on, on the AI side, but thank you. I mean, I think that that's pretty... You know, awesome response in terms of that. So at least if there are any authors out there, writers out there, you know, rest assured, you still have your your signature. Your your flavor is going to be there, and uh, it's not going to change that flavor for you. Um, so so now let's talk about Swipe, mm-hmm. the book. Yeah. What prompted you to write the book, and 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 then let's let's dig in a little deeper on, on it because it's got a lot of good uh, nuggets to to potentially change lives.
1: Right. Okay. Um, Thank you for asking. So swipe subtitle is the science of why we don't science behind why we don't finish what we start. I forget the subtitle of my own book. Um, So Tracy, Dr. Tracy Maylett, who's the organizational psychologist, who is my longtime client and good friend and co-author. He and I sat down at the beginning of what's now become the COVID era, you know, 2020. And we don't, you know, I'd already ghosted two books for him. In the employee engagement space, that's what this company does. Uh, they help companies get to help. They help other companies get their employees more engaged in their their jobs. And um, we were going to write a third book about employee engagement from the employee side. Why do you know employers do all these things? Why don't employees choose to engage? And the more we looked at it, we I mean, well, that's not. Let me bring back up. So we looked. We we started to look at a a a model. An informational model and a metaphor based on the idea of swiping on a smartphone and that the idea was changeability distractibility people want um they want to um, run away from their current situation at work without having and they make rash decisions and and they disengage reflexively um and the idea of swiping on a smartphone and the idea of just a one word title swipe we liked all of that so we said oh this is really cool let's write this And a few months later, I was sitting in my backyard after all the lockdowns came along. Look, I had a beautiful backyard. So I was sitting back there with a cocktail and thinking about this book. And I called Tracy. I said, I don't think this is a business book. I think this is an everybody book. Because this is a book about not finishing what you start. This is not just a book about engagement and career. This is a book about people who have aspired to do everything from write their first book, to get in shape, to save money, to... um, to run their first marathon etc and haven't been able to do it and can do it it tried over and over and over and over again and are never able to finish and have massive regret because of it in the business world it's also about people who disengage their work quit their jobs and never uh, fully realize that they're leaving opportunities on the table because they by the time they realize I probably should have stayed they're already gone and so we said this is a bigger book than what we initially had in mind And so that was the book that became Swipe. We started to look at the neurology, the psychology of why people repeatedly start to pursue a a goal that they truly want to achieve. Personal goal, artistic goal, financial goal, relationship goal. And as soon as they become uncomfortable with the pursuit of that goal, they do what we call swiping. So on the smartphone, it's the idea is that you can just tap or swipe the screen and you change your experienced reality in that digital realm. And so we have become, our research has shown we've become conditioned by technology to, we don't really believe that we can swipe the world, you know, we sometimes we, yeah. wish we could, but we still react to it as though uh, the, the, the example that I give, and I know a I know hundred people who've done this, and I always get a smile when I say this, because I do this all the time. So after years of typing, after years of using computers or tablets or whatever, what have you, when you're writing in, on a let's say a yellow pad, you're making notes or you're writing something, and you make a mistake, how often for that one split second do you think, where's the undo key? Or the undo command before you go, ah, writing with a pencil on a yellow pad. What am I doing? I've done that a hundred <laughs> times and laughed at myself every time I've done it. But that's the technological hangover. That's the hangover that makes us, makes us for just a split second think, oh, if I don't like the reality I'm in, I can just, technology will just let me change it. I can change it immediately. I can change it back. I can leave this uncomfortable thing I'm doing. So swiping and we and we said, you know, swiping has become both a noun and a verb. So to swipe is to reflexively, instinctively uh, hit the eject button on an uncomfortable un- on an uncomfortable circumstance where you're trying to do something that we have never done before, uh, or that we're trying to do, that we've never been able to finish before, I should say. So that's, for some people, that might be 50 pages into writing their first novel for the fifth time. They... They hit, they hit the wall and they go, I don't know what to do. And they just say, ah, forget it. I'll never be a writer. And they crumple the pages and throw in the trash or the file for someone who's trying to get in shape. Um, maybe they're doing, you know, P90X or something like that. And they go for a month and they're busting their tail and they're working hard. And but let's say they haven't changed their diet or whatever. They had bad expectations. They look in the mirror and go, after a month ago, I'm not ripped. Why am I not ripped? This sucks. And they quit. Um, that happens all the time. It's a universal phenomenon. People quit doing things they don't, that they really, really want to achieve and they have regret for the rest of their lives because of it. So that's what we decided to write Swipe about, that universal phenomenon.
0: Oh, that's that was, a lot. That was a I, long explanation. No, 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 but that, that was great. And, and, you know, I would say Swipe is so smart. <laughs> I mean, because because it is, I mean, in a nutshell, you've covered the reality of life for 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 pretty much all of us, because I think at any given point, somewhere, somewhere, someone watching right now, listening, has gone through an experience where they either started something and they just didn't have the courage, or or they just kind of like gave up on it, and uh, that could have been the the moment of change. Like uh, we we started the discussion about what you did, and you just didn't look back and you moved on and you started your own career path and you did it, but many don't. And or they start and then they just you know give up quickly and they move back and that's the or they just stay back again and and it becomes a problem. I think uh, you mentioned something about the pandemic was the moment we were like we're able to write this, but really the pandemic also was a catalyst, you know, to a lot of change for a lot of people. And I'm not talking in in terms of the tragedy part, that's one thing, but even in in terms of change of lifestyle, many have actually woken up to the ideas like, wait a minute. Um, you know, uh, I think I think we got to do something about this. And and they moved and they started being more creative and really living a better life uh, sure. to to avoid the regrets. Because one of the things that, come, that, that comes back in discussions in a lot of shows is that many people over time, eventually they get to a point where they regret the things they didn't do. Or they started and never finished.
1: Right? We always have more regret of the things we didn't do than the things we did. Always.
0: I, 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 yes. but But so now the idea is that well, why can't you do your stuff? If you want something, you do it. Live your life to the fullest. Uh, you know, I, I had you know a show a couple of years ago with a guy from Australia. He's he's known as the bucket list guy, and and it, you know you hear the bucket list, you think about like the things we do when we're ready to to depart this world. He actually reverses to the idea; it doesn't have to be at the 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 end of life where you start thinking. It's what you do today. You have your commands for the day, for the week, for the month. And I want to do this, and I'm going to do it. And this is a time frame, and you make a change in life where it's happening now, not later, because yeah. later you're not guaranteeing it, right? We live in the no, moment. Well,
1: that's right.
0: Yeah. So, so I, I love. I mean, the book itself. I mean, and I, I love what you said. This is not for just an education purpose. This is for everybody to absorb the information right. and apply.
1: Well, and, that, and, you know, and I, I think that, you know, the, the idea of, of, of not waiting is, you know, not waiting because then you're not, you're not, I mean, you're not guaranteed five minutes from, now. I could, I could drop dead on your show. I hope I don't. <laughs> Hopefully wife, not. It <laughs> be a for my wife to have to clean up her office, but, um, you know, like, you know, yeah, so do it now. There's a certain, there's, you know, there's a certain, uh, uh, certain truth to that. But, you know, I think what, what we have, what we found, what Tracy and I found looking at so much of this. Was really there? There were two two big um, two big uh, factors playing out when people do what we call when they what we call swiping or when they swipe, right? And and really, this is an issue of people who have tried to do things that they desperately want to accomplish over and over and over again. They keep failing. Um, one is neurological, the one is psychological. So the neurological part of it is, and this is work from Daniel Kahneman, who's the Nobel Prize-winning economist from uh, Princeton. Um, he he described the, the the psyche is having the brain is really having system what's called system one and system two. So system one is the instinctive, reactive um, part of the brain. It's the it's the learned muscle memory part that allows you to drive home from work at the nine hundred and thirty-fourth time and not have to worry about where to turn. You just get there. You're like, oh, I'm home, and you're having a, you're having a phone call in the way, and you're ordering food, and you're you know, you're not thinking about it. It's the it's the it's the part of your brain that that puts you on autopilot. It's instinctive. There's no thought involved. System two is the thinking part. System two is the ana- the analytical part. It takes more time and energy. It's when you're driving home from work for the 934th time, and there are a bunch of road closures, and suddenly you have to navigate through your city or your town or your suburb based on your knowledge of that area. Suddenly you have to start going okay where do I do I turn here make a left at the gas station you know you have to navigate your cell phone. That system to it work. So when people swipe it's not a thought process. They're not saying oh I'm I've gotten uh, I have been working out for 6 weeks now and I not don't have the results that I want. I think I'll quit and sabotage myself. No, it's an emotional process, it's an emotional reaction. I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't get what I wanted. I'm an embarrassed. I feel humiliated. I feel ashamed. I feel hopeless, worthless, whatever. A lot of negative emotions come into play and just react. That's system one at work. And part of what we wanted to do with this book is get help people put system two in charge of that process, which is think about what you're doing. Think about why you're doing it. The, the psychological part of the swipe, is all about expectation. Monitors. Most of the time, what we found was with people who, and a lot, and it wasn't always when they were doing something for the first time. They might have done the same thing. It's amazing how we can deceive ourselves. We're very good at self deception. I've talked to people who've tried to write the same book 10 times for 30 years and keep going through the same process, like somehow something's going to change. And they keep running into the same roadblocks at page fifty or sixty. So it's it people have false, faulty expectations about what the process is going to be like, the process of doing whatever it is they're going to attempt to do, and they have false expectations of of, of the results they're going to get. So this you know the, the, the fitness metaphor works perfectly here, right? They 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 go in this uh, fitness program thinking. I'm going to get all these great results in six weeks. Well, no, you're probably, you might, you're going to get some results. You're going to probably lose some weight to look better. You're not going to look like the rock, you know, (laughs) in six weeks and probably not in three years, unless your diet's perfect, you know, that kind of thing. But they have these, they have expectations of this is what's going to happen. And this is what it's going to be like. Well, I've done some of those workout programs. What it's like is you're on a puddle on the floor, wishing you could die after a lot of the workouts and unless you change your diet, it takes a long time to you're probably not going to get super shredded. Right? You'll get some results, but if what the really good results are going to take six months, nine months, twelve months. So if your expectations are out of line with the reality of what, you, what it is you're trying to do, whatever that something is, you're probably going to get frustrated at some point and give up. And hit that eject button or what we call swipe. So those two those two mechanisms. The system one, system two thing, and expectation management are where a lot of people we have found go wrong, not because they there's some something wrong with them, it's because they happen to be human beings. And they're 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 reacting and they're reacting based, they're reacting emotionally and they're reacting based on expectations that are bad. The nice thing is those things can be fixed.
0: Oh, Tim, that that's heavy stuff. And I but I, I love, I mean, I know your Tracy is psychology, you know. Uh, you know, expertise one on one, and so that actually makes a big difference and a huge difference in in terms of how the construct of humans and 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 the operating system, as you said, you know, uh, you know, works. And 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 you're right. I mean, there's the auto, you know, process which is routine. You know, it's a road hypnosis that you, you you explained. It's just guaranteed. You're gonna go, and that's it. Sometimes you forget. You know, this happened to me. I was going to one destination, and I wound up going. Uh, like an hour later I was on the phone, I wound up like in a different place. And I'm like,
1: and the same thing.
0: literally, I'm like, what the hell? But I, because I'm used to going that way, I didn't even pay attention until I realized it was too late. And I had to do a whole big, you know, turn and detour to come back. But it, it's just like, you're just literally frozen, but you're right. But we do have a lot more in control uh, possibilities, but it's, um, it's the matter of really reaching into it and, and really using that capability. And you're right. Sometimes, if you set the wrong expectations or at least your expectations are not managed properly, you will wind up in, in a dead end and and maybe like, you know, this is it. I can't do this because you do need to set up, you know, yourself that this is, I'm going to do here. And you have to know yourself too. That's the other part. I think, you know, if people sometimes don't realize like, well, you said it, I want to be like the rock. Well, the rocks, body metabolism, everything, his whole life has been working a you're not going to be the same as him. You could, but you have, you you need to pick wow. up a few years, you know, to get, to catch on wow, to you him. You
1: need to have 16 hours a day to dedicate to diet and exercise too.
0: Well, exactly. So you have to make some, I, I love what you said about doing the same thing, you know, over and over and expect a different outcome. Insanity is by definition, right? So it's, it's, those are real facts. And you know, it's the sad thing. I think we all know these things somehow, but we're still full, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, we fail at them because I think people are now watching, listening, like, well, I know that, you know, what are you telling me different? Uh, we're just saying that the, you're saying that the research shows that a lot of people get to that and they eventually do the swipe business and they just kind of reset or stop whatever they're working.
1: Well, the thing that you know, the thing that that we're trying to point out here is that a, a lot of a lot of the damage from swiping, apart from missed opportunities, comes mm-hmm. because people blame themselves for doing it. There's a lot of self recrimination. There's a lot of blame. I suck. I'm worthless. I'll never be a writer. You know how many times I've heard someone say, I'll never be a writer. I don't have what it takes to be. Maybe I'm not a real writer. A lot. Um, And what we're doing is we're blaming ourselves for being human. We're blaming ourselves for, um, for, you know, getting into something the first time out of enthusiasm. There's nothing wrong, by the way, with, with trying something for the first time, I want to write a book. Okay, I sit down, open my computer and just write. With no plan, just out of sheer kind of balls-to-the-wall enthusiasm. And then having it be, you know, having it be not so good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with trying it the first time and having it uh, be a flop. Because... Um, that, you know, there that, that kind of that kind of exuberance should be rewarded, or at least it should be celebrated. Give it a shot. Now I wouldn't say do a marathon that way, because you're gonna hurt yourself. But if it's composing music or something like that, you know, why not? It, the, the, the trick is though, if you fail, don't internalize it. You know, you fail because of how your brain works, because you're naturally disposed, we are naturally disposed to run away from discomfort. We are naturally disposed to run away from danger and seek comfort and seek predictability, right? And we are naturally disposed to, to have expectations. If you don't have information, if you didn't talk to somebody and say, okay, you're a personal trainer. How long do you think it's gonna get, you know, take for me to get uh, results? And what do you think I can expect in three months? If you don't do that, well, of course you're gonna have faulty expectations. What we do is we is we fail because we swipe because we're frustrated because we're emotional and we blame ourselves for it. And so what we do, we go back and try the same thing again and again and again and we don't, don't change anything. And we do that in some ways as a punishment. You're going to do it the same way this time, and you're going to get it right this time. It's almost like eat your vegetables, young man. You know, <laughs> uh, where we go back and we do we so. If I want to, uh, you know, want to write my screenplay, I'm going to go back and do the exact same thing when I failed the first time. Okay, maybe once I can see that. But if you, by the time you come to attempt maybe number five, you need to change some things, change, change some of some of the conditions of the experiment, change when you're writing, where you're writing, um, you know, change the music that's playing, change your subject matter um you know go to a seminar read a book on screenwriting change some of the fundamentals of the experiment rather than i i think people honestly do that they go back and do it the exact same way because they are punishing themselves for having failed for having swiped this is a punishment you're gonna it's almost like you know sisyphus rolling the rock up the hill in hell you're gonna keep doing it until you get it right well he never gets to the top he just good keeps rock and it rolls back down and he tries to push it up again for eternity. And I think that's what we do is we blame ourselves instead of saying, this is a normal thing. The, one one of the key reasons we wrote the book was to illustrate that this is an, this is a, a phenomenon that can be explained, it can be predicted, and it can be addressed, and it can be fixed.
0: You can oh, Well, Tim, I mean, you're, you're really putting a lot of good stuff there. And there are two elements that you, you stated that are powerful words that, you know, if you think about them in a different way, you probably can change the whole outcome of what we're talking about here. And, and the swipe becomes, you know, uh, something that you can control easily, right? One is you talked about how people do it and when they feel that they failed at it, you know, that that's it, right? You know, they just keep, you know, doing it the same way. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I, I choose not to use the word fail. Typically what I use is that it's another way to learn something, you know, about a different way to learn about something. And if if you use that instead of the fail concept, right, what it means is that now this didn't work. Guess what? I got to do something different. To your point, if you do it exactly the same way, what the expectation is going to be here, it's the same thing, the same outcome. But the idea is it's not a failure. If you learn it, you learn from it and you tweak it and change it. Like, what can I do to make it different? Uh, that could be second attempt third attempt and you keep changing things shifting things uh, you also talked about how someone usually gets to the point and they start beating on themselves and giving all this negative thought and you know i'm not good at it you know i can't do this you know whatever and then to your point sometimes they're just like oh i, I can't take the beating. i'm gonna keep doing so yeah. so it's that self-thought you know discussion that is not going anywhere it's like to your point it's just like you know spinning wheels but if you start thinking positive again, switch in the concept. Like, all right, well, roadblock. I can't figure this out. Well, maybe what am I doing wrong? See, I, I use that technique personally. Like, I get to a point, like, wait a minute, how do I solve for this? There's something I'm missing. Where did I? And then I step backwards. Literally, I look at what did I do, and or didn't, and then then or if not, I'm gonna learn about from somebody else. You know that you know what they're doing different, and maybe I will pick something from them that I can a- adapt to to my whatever I'm doing. And it changes the dynamics. And so it is, it is a concept that can be done as, as I love what you said, the book is really to, to tell people that it can't be fixed. <laughs> this is not the end of the line. We all have the ability to, to maneuver through this and and do what we have to what we love and, and still achieve things. Uh, so, so, I mean, so now the book is, is, is available, I'm assuming, right. You know, uh, already, um it, amazon and you'd is available in the usual places usual places okay <laughs> i love it now uh, i ha- i will have to the, actually the, the swipe the book.com you know website you know on the description of the show so people can reach out um now just just uh, as a, i know we're just about the the end of time i know we, we've talked about you know our time and restricts here you know um let's let's just you know maybe share with the audiences uh two or three top i guess nice messages that you can leave them with, you know, based on your research.
1: Are you from the book,
0: From the book, yeah. Because, I mean, you did a lot of the work, you know, to, to get to the book. So I'm from the oh, book or, okay. or, or outside the book, actually. Oh,
1: fine, fine. Um, I think, you know, one of the one of the really important distinctions to make is that um, there is something that's sort of adjacent to swiping, but it's not a swipe. It's what really we call tapping out. But tapping mm. out is when you... Um, when you deliberately leave a situation or in the process for reasons, for good reasons, valid reasons, because it's harmful to you, such as leaving a, leaving an abusive relationship or something like that. Um, the, uh, the gymnast, Simone Biles, who's actually in the news today because she says she's returning to the competition. She's a good example of a tap out. So a tap out is not a swipe. Tap, a swipe is reflexive. A tap out is I am making the conscious decision to walk away from this. She, when the 20, it was a 2020 Olympic games, she quit in the middle of the team gold gymnastics competition because she said she had what they call the twisties, which is where she had lost her ability to perceive where her body was in space. And she was worried about her mental health and her physical health. And she walked away. And that was an affirmative action in in her, in her benefit. People actually, you know, people applauded her for it. That's a tap out. So tapping out is not the same as swipe. So if you're in a bad situation, tapping out is completely appropriate thing. That's that's one one thing I can leave people with. We've had that question since we wrote the book about, well, should I stay in an abusive job? No, well, it's not the same thing. Um, a second thing would be um, another key um, way for people to really uh, move forward. With these uh, pursuits where they keep, where they have they have fallen short and swiped multiple times, is to also, apart from looking at their expectations, look at your motivation. Why are you t- attempting to do this? Why is it important to you? Um, is it something that, I mean, I, I know, I, again, I keep going back to writing because is what I know, but I have talked to a hundred wannabe writers trying to get that first novel out who didn't even like writing fiction. They just thought that. Well, writing novels is what writers do, right? No, there are 40 other ways to be a professional writer. You don't have to write a noth, a 120,000-word novel. Um, so their motivation was not here. It wasn't even here. It was sort of, I want to impress this kind of nebulous audience of not even sure who. So if you don't want it for the right reasons, you're not going to do it. I think that's true of almost anything. I work with people all the time who who got where they were after a bunch of of, uh, of, of falling short because the stakes were higher, because their back was against the wall, because something happened where they got into a business where they said, I want this more than anything else right now. That's That's what I want. So looking at motivation is absolutely key, apart from looking at expectations. If you can nail your expectations being correct and your motivations being pure and true to what you want in here... Then good odds are good that you're not going to swipe. And the third thing is, be nice to ourselves. Be kind to ourselves. We are so. Um, I mean, we all do this. It's, that's why that's one of the reasons we wrote the book is because failing to finish what you start, failing to engage, failing to engage with your children, with your spouse, all those are all those are universal. We all do it. We all. Don't engage the way we should from time to time in something important. And when we do that, it's important to be kind to yourself, to accept that, okay, you fell short this time. It happens. You're human. This is maybe why, or maybe you don't understand why. Take some, you, know, you may take some, you know, some investigation of your motives and motivations and things like that. But we beat ourselves up a lot for failures that are Due to things that are are not necessarily in our control, so rather than that kind of spitting, that kind of venom at yourself, be kind, be understanding. Say, okay, you know, I'll 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 do better next time. Can't go back. All you can do is learn from what you did. I'll do better mm-hmm. next time. I'm gonna do this much better next time. I'll get this much farther next time. And I think that might be the most important lesson of all: just self-compassion.
0: And there's a lot in there, man. I, I appreciate all that. I mean, that that's super wisdom that 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 is probably uh, you know, a motivation for someone today watching and listening to really, you know, there's got to be someone that's probably at a, that that crossroads and with like, you know, maybe I'm about to swipe or to tap out. And this could be the the, the nugget that's going to change that moment, and hopefully get them a restart or refresh, and and reengage in you know whatever path they are. So thank you so much, Tim, for 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 today. I mean, uh, time flew as 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 they say. It was just like a quick hour, <laughs> but a lot of stuff in this hour. And uh, first of all, thank you, and and although tracy is not with you today you know but thank you uh, thank you tracy for 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 bringing the knowledge and the psychology into the book and and sharing this this piece you know together with the world um you know uh it's, it's definitely something to to take to heart i will definitely uh promote as much as i can you know cuz i do believe in the message in the book and 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 what it can do to people and uh so uh um, that's it, Tim. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a uh, true, again, honor and pri- privilege with you having, uh, you know, this discussion.
1: The honor is mine. I really appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure to join you.
0: Thank you, sir. And folks, there you have it. I hope that this hour has been positive uh, and, and, and really full of good stuff that's going to make a difference in your life or the lives of someone you know. Share the wealth, share the love, share the information, share the knowledge. I'm Hurricane H. H. We'll be talking soon. New day, new show on a topic. Bye for now.